If you've been to our church recently, recently, you know that we've been going through the book of Acts and we have been uh, doing a study of the book of Acts, kind of as a, a first study. And uh, we call it uh, the continuing works of Christ, the continuing works of Christ. And that's our, our study in the book of Acts. We have not yet reached chapter 9, but I'm going to jump ahead to chapter 9 uh, this morning and just basically cover one verse that really summarizes uh, what, I, what I hope to be kind of the next step, the next, the next page. We're kind of turning the page as of yesterday. We're kind of turning the page from the last 50 years. Of course, the last day of the first 50 years was September 1st. Yesterday was the first day, first day of the next 50 years. And as I said in the, in the history I read, we have no idea what might be in store, but we do have, we do have a guide. We do have an example in the book of Acts for what the Lord wants for us in the next 50 years. But for, for today, what we're going to look at is what, what I believe should be our theme and our emphasis for Choice Hills Baptist Church for at least the next year at least in the short term. And so let's read Acts chapter 9 and verse, starting in verse number 26. The Bible says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them, how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. The theme for this year that I would like to emphasize, that I would like us to keep in mind as a church is what we see in verse number 31. The church was the churches in these three places, which incidentally match Acts 1 verse 8, which we've all studied in our church, how that the disciples were to be witnesses in both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see this pattern here. But these churches, the Bible says, were edified and then they were multiplied. And so the theme I would like to propose and I would like to emphasize this year is the theme of edify and multiply. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we come to you. Lord, we know we are under no illusion that, Lord, you see through us like an x-ray. Lord, you see the, and try the reins and the hearts of every man, of every woman, of every child. Lord, we, don't, we desire not to have any facade or put on any airs. Lord, we cannot deceive you. But Lord, we want to be real and true. 
Lord, we want to have on the inside just exactly what should be there in your sight without regard to what other people might think or see or do. Lord, help us. As we look at your word this morning, first of all, I thank you, Lord, for Choice Hills Baptist Church and and for what you have done. Lord, if it were not for the gospel, there would be no church and there would certainly be no reason to meet here here today. But Lord, the grace of God is evident in these, all of these little epistles that have been written by the Spirit of the living God that are, are sitting here in the church house ready to hear your word. Lord, I pray you would do in the next 50 years even greater things. But Lord, our faith is so weak. We can't, we can't even think about what you might do or how, we, how it might be done. We just, we just commit it to you. And ask you that you would help us and enable us to be faithful. To do the will of God with, a, with sincerity and truth. And I pray for, as we look at this message and this theme of edify and multiply, I pray that you would give guidance and understanding. Please help your people that have come today. And Lord, for our revival to follow this afternoon, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we pray that you would give us great anticipation that your spirit would really, really stir among us. Give Brother Roberts what we need to hear, Lord. Stir us up. Set us on the right path. Help us to do what you want us to do, both individually and also corporately as a church. Lord, would you bless your word now as we look at it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what's happening in Acts chapter 9 is Saul of Tarsus, the infamous persecutor of the church of God, has been saved. And God can save anybody. He can save anybody. He's been, he has been converted. And now the Bible says that he is preaching the faith that he once destroyed. And he was, he was a ringleader of the persecutors. In other words, uh, the, 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 the people of Judea in particular, the Jews, as we saw also in Paul's time later, were some of the, some of the most, um, some of the most in, intense persecutors of the church. And one of the reasons, at least in this area, that they persecuted the Christians and the churches so much is because of the influence of, of Saul, who would be, be later called Paul. And so this church, in verse number 31, it says, Then had the churches rest. I mean, Paul was stirring it up, but finally when Paul was saved, and that that influence that stirred up the persecution finally stopped, because, of course, he's preaching what he once had persecuted. Finally, the the churches had a little bit of a reprieve so that they could concentrate on what they need to do on what the Lord wanted them to do. Now, up to this point, if you don't count Acts chapter 2, which we've, we've all studied, so we're familiar with it. If you don't count Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you get to the persecution areas of chapter 5, 6, 7, and, and 8 there, uh, you see the church is just frantically trying to live because Paul is trying to get them arrested and dragged, the Bible says, hailing men and women to prison. That means to drag them. He was dragging them to prison. They were Listen, they were just trying to live. They had no opportunity to really think about being edified or growing. And everything that happens in the gospel spreading is kind of a byproduct of 
what the Lord is doing in the church and the persecution that he's allowing. But now, finally, they can rest. They have a measure of freedom. Now, this freedom will be short-lived. The reality is this freedom will be short-lived because this persecution is going to restart eventually and then it's going to spread through the Roman Empire. But at this moment, this church, these churches are kind of like our church in that they have liberty. They're not being directly persecuted. They don't have the thumb of a government or the thumb of a religious group or a council pressing upon them, chasing them around. No, they have a little bit of liberty. And we have, at this moment in time, our church, Choice Hills, and other churches in our country, for, to, to a great degree, have liberty. Amen. Liberty. And because of that liberty, the Bible says that they were edified and, and multiplied. I was going to say glorified. Edified and multiplied. Let's look at the word edified really quick. The word edify simply means to build up. It means to strengthen. It means to cause to increase or to cause to mature. Now we know that as individuals, if you're a, if you're a child of God, and this, this is who I'm referring to at this moment, if you're a child of God, you have a responsibility as an individual to grow Amen. in the grace of God. What that means is you have a responsibility to edify yourself utilizing the tools and the graces that God has already given you as an individual to grow up in the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes... This is a command, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So God has commanded you as a believer, if you are a believer, if you are a child of God and you're born again, God has commanded you and commanded me to grow. Amen. It is our responsibility to not remain as we are, but to increase, to grow spiritually. And God has given us the tools to do that. But... Edification is not only individual. Edification, the building up, the strengthening, the increasing, the maturity, is not only something that's done individually on an, on an individual basis. And I fear sometimes that we in, in, in our personal lives as believers, and listen, if you are a child of God and you do not have a daily, active, personal Amen. walk with God, that's, everybody knows who that quotation is from, Brother Stewart. If you do not have that, you are not growing. I, I can promise you that. You are not growing as a believer. You are actually living in sin because you're, you're disobeying what the Lord says when he says to grow. You're not growing if you, don't live, if you don't have that kind of daily active personal relationship with the Lord. But that is not the sum total of growth. See, we live in a highly individualistic society where we think, well, as long as I'm growing, everything else is fine. But it's not fine. It's not fine. Look at a couple other passages with me. Look at Romans chapter 14. Verse number 19. Romans 14, verse 19. Then we'll look at Romans 15, verse 1. The Bible says in verse 19, let us therefore follow. Now notice, let us, these are plural, 
pronouns. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one, notice what it says, may edify another. Chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Look over 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 11. The Bible says, on the tail end of a passage about the coming of the Lord, the Bible says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, as also ye do. So here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see. Is that it is not good enough that we live as only individual Christians and edify ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says this. He, talking about tongues, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, knows what it says, notice what it says, edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We should not be concerned only with our own growth. You know, it is the function, it is the purpose, it is the task of the church that we help each other grow. You know what? God has gifted, God has gifted you as a part of this church. He has, he has given you specific abilities and specific talents and specific uh, aspects of your life, even experiences that you have experienced to enable you to help another in the body to also grow. Because the reality is, the body can only grow as the individuals grow. But our growth as individuals is not solely based upon our own personal walk with God, although that's primary. We also depend on others to help us to grow. And absent that, we're stunted. The body, the Bible says, edifies itself. We're to edify one another and as is the individual, so is the body. And if, and if I'm growing, the guy next to me or the lady next to me, I can help her to grow. But if she's not growing, the whole body is going to be stunted. So I help her grow and she helps me grow and I help him grow and he helps me grow. And so we grow together. The body is edifying one another. Now, here's the thing. This truth that we are dependent upon one another for our growth, building up, strengthening is in contrast, stark contrast to our life before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ, here's the reality. Our life was about us. It was about our, our comfort, our desires, what we wanted, instead of other people, instead of 
what the needs of others were and how we might help them. And I know, listen, I know how this works. People think, well, they do one thing. You know, in other words, we hold the door open for somebody and we think, we think God's impressed with that for 100 years. Really, we, we, we magnify the little things we do and we inflate our ego and think that we're righteous and doing some great thing, but our whole life is lived for ourselves. It's not lived for God. It's lived to, to fulfill the lust and desires and pleasures that this world gives and to have as much fun as we possibly can, regardless of whether it's wicked or good. That's the way we live, for our own gratification. And that is a mark of someone who is not a child of God, despite what they might profess. The Bible says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So we take one little thing we do and we, we, we magnify that into, into, as if it characterizes our whole life and what we do every day on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis is serve ourselves and serve our sin. We're, we're just deluded. Look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, if you would. Notice this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4. The Bible says this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look at verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. See that? That's what I was just describing. But in verse number, in verse number four, the Bible says, look not to the, to the believer. Listen, to the member of Choice Hills Baptist Church, the Lord exhorts us. He commands us. He reminds us. He says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What that means is that as a church, we should be seeking and looking for opportunity to edify each other. We should not be content in our own satisfaction, in our own growth, in our own uh, prosperity. Listen, what that means is that's going to involve some self-denial. If we, as we read in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, if we're going to be edified, we're going to have to do that toward one another. We're going to have to have a recommitment and a intentional uh, uh, resolve that we are going to purpose to strengthen, increase, and help our brothers and sisters in our church. That our church as a whole, that our brother and our sister in Christ, we are going to expend the time, we're going to expend the energy that they might grow, not just myself. As individuals in the body grow, so the church grows spiritually because the church is the people. Do you care whether or not your brother or sister in this church grows? Are you willing to do anything to help them grow? 
This is, just like we read in Philippians a minute ago, Christ pleased not himself. That was in Romans, I believe, actually. Christ pleased not himself. He came for other people that others might be brought to God, that others might know the Lord, that others might grow. And that's our example. The second thing I want you to see is the concept in in, uh, Acts chapter 9 of multiply. So you have the church where churches were edified, and then also the churches were multiplied. Multiplication is a word that's used to describe increase, but it's a special kind of increase because you have addition, which takes an original number and adds to it, but then you have multiplication, and the way I might describe this is this. Multiplication is generational increase. What we mean by this is that one generation produces another generation rather than simply adding to it. You see, here's the thing. If the pastor of this church, be it myself, be it Brother Stewart, be it Pastor Craig, is the only person telling people about Jesus, then you have addition. When someone gets saved, they are baptized, they come into the church, they're added to the church. We thank the Lord for that, but that's addition. It doesn't get into multiplication until that person then turns around and leads someone else to the Lord. Until other people in the church are also seeking to win people to the Lord, because that is, is it not? Is it not what the Lord commanded us? We study this in great detail. The Lord commanded us as His disciples to make the gospel known, to tell people about Jesus. Well, that's hard to do. That's awkward. I agree. I agree. But you know, there's one generational increase that needs to be first, and that's in your family. You know, if you win your own family, your own kids, you bring your children up in the Lord. That's also a form of multiplication. And that is your and that is my first responsibility. Before we try to reach the world, before I try to go and be a missionary in Cambodia and reach Cambodian people with with the gospel or Bulgaria or wherever it might be, I need to make sure my own kids know God. I need to make sure I'm sharing the gospel and witnessing to my own children. And listen, parents, you have a responsibility before God and you will give an account. You will give an account to God for how you raise your kids and whether you bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but you set an example for them. Not just you tell them about Jesus, but you live for Jesus before them. Look at Acts chapter 2, if you would. I want to take a little stroll through the book of Acts very quickly. Acts 2. I want you to notice the number of times that numerical growth of the churches is mentioned. Oftentimes in our church, our church is a small church. I mean, I guess that's all relative, but... Our church is a small church, relatively speaking, so often we look at numerical growth and we say, well, it's not all about the numbers. Well, the Lord talked about numbers a lot. (laughs) Acts 2, verse 41, look what it says. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
Look at chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. Again, we're going fast. We're going fast. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says this. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Notice that. Same chapter, verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Chapter 11, verse number 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. 12, verse 24, look at that. But the word of God grew and multiplied. We're almost done. Keep going. Chapter 6, 16, verse 5. Look at it. The Bible says, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. 17, verse 4. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. Verse 12, Therefore many of them believed, also of the honorable women which were, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. Chapter 19, last chapter. Verse 10, And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which, heard, which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And lastly, verse 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You know what you see here? God talks a lot about numbers. That's the reality. In Acts 9.31, in our text verse, it says, the Bible says the churches were edified and then multiplied. Now, numbers are not everything, and certainly we could manufacture numbers. That's not what it's about. It's not about the look of having a full church. That's not what it's about at all. But numbers do count for something and have some significance to us. But remember, our task, listen, church, listen to our, our church, our church people right now, listen, please. Our task that God has given us is not to grow this church. Not in the version of multiplying. Yes, in the version of edifying, yes. But not in the version of multiplying. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.9 For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7 So then neither he, he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. God alone has reserved the prerogative to grow the church. 
It is our task, however, to make the gospel known. That is our duty. But let's think about numerical growth really quick. Acts over and over, we looked at over a dozen instances where God mentions numerical growth, what we might call multiplication. But why is that significant? It's not significant in that we ought to look at that and compare ourselves to what say, well, our church is just is sorry because look, I mean, they had hundreds and thousands saved and here we just struggle to have one person saved. It's not intended to do that at all. Because remember, the, the multiplication is up to God. It is our job to give the gospel as we've already seen in our church. But numerical growth does indicate that there is a concern among us for those that do not know the Lord. Because listen, if we are not telling people about Jesus, people won't be saved. Bottom line. If we are not actually trying to tell people about Jesus, you can mark it down. The Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. They will not be saved because they can't hear the gospel, which is required. So forget about people being saved. Forget about multiplication if we're not telling people the gospel. So numerical growth does indicate that we have a concern because we're telling people about Jesus. And it also indicates that we are actually sharing the gospel, again, because people are being saved. And you know what it also means? That when the church is multiplied, that means there's a, there's a, there's a constant flow of new people coming in that are starting at zero, who need us to start it at the basics and help them to grow little by little. And as they grow up, more are filling their place. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is what we see in the book of Acts. And you know what? Our church should be multiplying. Amen. Amen. It should be multiplying. But remember, how much, how often, that is the Lord's business. It is our job to obey what he said. Listen, Choice Hills, it is our job. Listen, we're trying to do that. We're trying to do that. But we need to, we, we, we're going to have to step it up. Amen. Look for more opportunities. But listen, I know a lot of churches, they concentrate on growth. They have these schemes to have the flashiest and trendiest materials they send out and have the flashiest and trendiest music and the best whatever to attract people. And people just bounce from one place to another to another. Oh, this is interesting. It's like the, it's like the new shiny thing. Well, this is shiny, and then you get tired of it, and then there's a new shiny thing. You get tired of it and go to the next shiny thing. And Whoever has the shiniest thing is the, the, the newest, trendiest church people go to. Listen, that's not what the Lord told us to do. Amen. The Lord said, you be faithful to give the gospel to people who need it so that they can know God and have eternal life, and let me worry about the growth. But that's how multiplication happens. It's not some scheme to drag people from, their other from the church they go to. And the reality is, if we grow, Choice Hills Baptist Church, but we grow without a primary emphasis on saving souls, our growth is a failure. This is what I mean when I say our task is not growth. Yeah, we have growth, but if we're not saving souls, if we're not preaching the gospel, who cares? So you can say it like this. We do the sowing, Jesus does the growing. Yes. Pastor Craig used to say, you get some you didn't go after because you went after some you didn't get. How many of you heard that one before? 
Yeah, fewer, but I remember him saying that a lot. How did the book of Acts multiply? You know how? They weren't trading members. <laughs> they were preaching the gospel. Obeying what Jesus told them to do. And lastly, you have, so in, in Acts 9.31, you have edify. In Acts 9.31, you have multiply. The Lord wants us to do both at the same time. To walk and chew gum. You see, edifying, even, even in the Great Commission, the Lord said, go you therefore and teach all nations. And then further, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's the edification. The former is the multiplication. They're both there. So the Lord's Great Commission has both in there, and he wants us to do both at the same time. So you could say it like this. You could think of it like this. Edifying is inward, inside the church. Multiplying is outward. You could say edifying concentrates on each other, whereas multiplying concentrates on others outside. Edifying means to, be, to grow spiritually. Multiplying means to grow numerically. We must have both. We must have both. You think about our church building. You know, we talked about the church building. And again, you guys, everybody at Choice Hills knows this. We, we just harp on it all the time that this is not the church. This is the building. You are the church. The church is the people. But when we look at this building, we see an illustration. When this building was first erected, there was a structure, but it needed refinement. You may, might have had the, the sticks up, the framing and all of that, but the sheetrock needed to be added and the HVAC and the carpet, as you see here, new carpet, new lights. You got furniture, you got doors that have to be hung, lights have to be wired. But all those things are added to the existing building to make it more functional. This is edification. To make it suit its purpose better. But later, in 1983, when this addition on the back was added, and then we added a playground, and we added a garage, and we added a picnic shelter, and a bridge, you know what that did? That's a multiplication. Because that extended, to, extended our church's areas of ministry, and it made more usefulness available. We actually were able to do more. In the first, the building was made more fit for what it was already doing. In the second, new areas of service were added. You know what I love to see at our church? I'd love to see new opportunities for ministry, doing more, jail ministry, nursing home ministry, mission trips. This is things we need to do more. We need to, in other words, we don't need to build another building. We got, a, we got enough empty seats here. We, we can fill this up, but... We need, a, we need to get an, uh, go into a new building program in ministry Amen. to extend our ministry. That's multiplying. <clears throat> you know, by adding, just like adding new buildings and extending ministry, whenever we add souls to this congregation, new souls, multiplication, we bring in all the gifts and talents that they have brought into the body as well. And that opens new opportunity. You know what? There might not be anybody from this present congregation that God calls to, a, to the mission field, but there might be somebody that gets saved and comes in, part of the multiplication, who God then calls to go to the mission field. 
And that's enabled. Just like when I got saved in 1999, I came into the church and then later God called our family to go be missionaries. That's a multiplication which extended the areas of ministry of the church. And even to this moment, you might not know this, but even to this very moment, there is, there is a ministry in Cambodia that is continuing, not just from Matt, from Matt Brown and our support of him, who is our ministry partner, but then there's other missionaries who are where they are because of our influence that God used us to influence them. And that all started with multiplication. You see? Further extension of ministry. Now to close, <clears throat> what we do see in Acts 9.31 about edification and multiplication, other verses that we read about growing and being strengthened, here's what we see. The Lord does not want us to stay the same. Amen. Whether you're talking about edification or multiplication, one thing is sure. The Lord does not want us to be stagnant. He does not want us to be the same now as we were in the past, and He doesn't want us to be the same now as we will be in the future. Because edification means you're getting stronger. You're increasing knowledge. Multiplication means you're increasing in number. The Lord tells us to do that. He does not want us to stay the same. That We should have, as a church, as individuals, we should have a, a holy discontent. We should not be satisfied with remaining as we are. And I'll tell you something. If you're not saved and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't have an actual, listen, an actual testimony of a changed life where Jesus and the gospel have actually transformed your life, you ought not be content either. Amen. If you don't have the real and genuine article, you ought to be asking some questions. You ought to be, you ought to be saying, you know, I, I, that's not, I don't have that testimony at all. Do you have the genuine article? The Bible says that we're to examine ourselves, whether we're in the faith. We should have a holy discontent. If we remain, this, listen church, if we remain the same, we're not growing spiritually, we're not growing numerically, we ought to be discontent. The Lord wants us to increase, Amen. to grow, yes. both spiritually Edification and numerically, multiplication. The Lord, by this, he strikes at a contented frame of mind. The last thing I want to say is, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Lord describes the church as a body, like a human body, with hands and feet and all of those things. But you remember, the body is a living thing. And all healthy bodies grow. Healthy bodies grow. Living things grow. And if the church, since the church is a living organism, made up of individuals in a body that's alive, You're, you've been made alive by the Spirit of God. You are alive in Christ. Is that not what the Bible says? You're alive. Well, if that's the case, you as an individual, and then all of us together as a body should be growing. Whether it be spiritually and numerically, whatever, you see both. There should be an increase because living things grow. Living things grow. So I just want to challenge you. I just want you to catch the burden. 
that our church grow. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the numbers. That we grow spiritually, that we grow together, that we help one another grow, and that we obey the Lord and pray that He would give us multiplication in addition. I want all of us to catch this burden. This is what the Lord wants us to do. This is the example He has set for us in the exemplary church that we've been studying in Acts. Let's pray together.